Good morning, everybody. Hey, I want you to do this. I want you to turn to the person on your left and right, and I want you to give them a high five and just tell them thank you for being here because, man, it is so pretty outside. You could have been like in the front lawn, you know, the high white socks and shorts and watering, you know, like the other guy down the street. But you're here. Thank you for being here. And the worship was amazing today. Wow. So good to be with everybody. I, I do want to say this. We are finishing our fast tonight. Uh, it's coming to a close, and we've been, we've been leaning into that, and we've been talking about it. If you, if you haven't fasted, you can start. You've got about six hours. Just don't eat for the next six hours. But thank you, thank you. We, we, we've been saying uh, there's, a, there's a lot of different focuses. We've been sharing them with you. But one thing that fasting does, fa- dieting changes the way that you look, but fasting changes the way that you see and we just want the fog to move, and I, we've already seen God do some amazing miracles. We're glad that our team is back from India, and uh, get a little wave here. Marty, let's have our guys stand if they're in the service. I know David's not in the service, but these guys right here representing the kingdom and Promise Center. Thank you guys so much, and it's exciting. So we're, we exist to help people take their very next step in following Jesus, whatever that may be. It may be for you to come tonight to welcome home and and uh, kind of say, hey, I want to make this house my home. I want to get my, my roots planted in the house of God. And, and this is a great way to learn about our heart, our vision, kind of where you, you belong. And then afterwards, after about 35 minutes, we're going to go and we're going to have food and a party. And it's going to be a lot of fun. And we want to get to know you. We want you to know our name. We want you to. Uh, we want to know your names. We want to like do life together, not like in prison, but like do life together and enjoy one another and and high five and go like, hey, we're proud of you. Spur one another to good works, that kind of thing. So, welcome home is about saying, hey, this is my house. And and if this isn't your house, that's perfectly fine. But find a home, find a church home, uh, a, a home church, whatever it may be. Get planted, get committed, and and be a part of something bigger than yourselves. Amen. All right, and then also Baptism Sunday is next Sunday. So I know that the Super Bowl is happening next Sunday, but there's a couple good, good things. Number one is you can still make it to any of our three services and still make it to the Super Bowl party, okay? All right, hallelujah, amen. And also baptisms are happening next Sunday, and if you have not been baptized, you have not been buried with Christ, if you have not gone public with your faith, this is the best opportunity and one of the best days to do it, Baptism Sunday. It's going to be a big day of celebration, so on your next steps, card. We have this new Next Steps card. Actually, today we're rolling it out. So if you want to grab it in the seat pocket in front of you, just pull it out and just get familiar with your Next Step card because we want to help people take their very next step in following Jesus. On the front are decisions and baptisms, even a Bible study for new believers. And on the back is RSVP for Welcome Home. We didn't know how many people are coming and kids and if there's an allergy and uh, how many are you eating for five people? Did you just get off a fast? You know, how hungry will you be? The girth, you know, of your appetite. Uh, And then volunteering is also at the bottom, and you can check uh, any of those. And you can put them in the bucket. You can put them in the back. There's some baskets here, and you can also take them to our Next Steps tent where our leaders and some of our pastors are there to connect with you. Amen? Does that sound good? Hey, let's go to our scriptures here in Haggai chapter 1 and 5. We're in a sermon series called Press Start. Now, some of you are probably wondering, like, what is this all about? Why was there Super Mario Brothers up on the screen. If you're, like, this is your first time here in our sermon series, you're probably wondering, like, was this kid born in the 80s? Yes, he was. Did this, does this guy love the 80s? Yes, he does, okay? Did he play Super Mario Brothers? Way too much, all right? That's why I got B pluses all through school. Anyways, uh, but this, the truth of the matter is this, is that there's a lot of people, this is what their life looks like. I want to put this video up on the screen. Their life looks like 
Mario's front page. And there's this automation here. And on your little controller, you can press start, or you can just watch Mario run and jump and hit the question mark, kill that guy, get the mushroom. He jumps over the green. He jumps and hits that guy, gets small, smashes one of them, and then dies. And then it starts all over. And it does this until you press start. And there's a lot of people who you feel like life is just a repeat of the same thing over and over. It feels like there's no traction. It feels like there's no purpose. There is no target that I'm going after. And this year, if you don't do something, as Stephen Covey says, if you keep doing what you always do, you will always get what you've always gotten. This year will look like last year, and last year will look like the year before. And we live in this, the dundrums of, of the deja vu, the mundane of the deja vu, and God has more for you. And what we're not teaching in this sermon series is that this is a better version of you, that we just want to make you a little bit better and a little bit better version of you. But we're saying that the caterpillar not becoming a better caterpillar, but becoming a butterfly, that there is a new creation in every single one of us. And for many of us, we haven't even met him or her yet, but they are inside of us. That new creation, that new Chadwick Everett King, right, is inside, and God's saying the, the, the image of the Son of God being developed till we come to the fullness and the stature of Christ. And so we're talking about new creation. We're talking about new days. We're talking about new things that God is doing. So I want to kind of... Um, kind of come into a, a scripture that maybe will, will make sense to some. It'll kind of resound with your heart. Haggai chapter 1 and 5. <clears throat> now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful, give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not, they're not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with, with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says, give careful thought to your ways. Give careful thought to your ways. There was a guy named Solomon, and he says this. He says, all things are meaningless. He lost his purpose. He lost his relationship with God. And he says, everything's just a big cycle. And it all feels meaningless, no purpose. And that's what we want for you because that's not what God intends for you. God has purpose on your life and destiny on your life. And we're going to step into that. And I believe that today, at the end of this service, we're going to have our prayer team come up at the end, and God is going to do an inner healing in many of our hearts today. Because we cannot go forward until we go back. We cannot move forward until we first go back. And that's what today's message is about. Pressing start really looks like sometimes going back first. Heavenly Father, we honor you. We thank you for your word. Let your living word teach the, the written word. <clears throat> Let your word fall into good ground and bring forth much fruit. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody say, amen. All right, so um, as you saw on the screen, that was my wife, and I married way up, way, way, way up, and she's pretty amazing. She turns 40 next week, 4-0. <laughs> yep, and uh, we've been married for 16 and a half years, and I cannot believe it. Uh, it's, it's been amazing, and it's taken about 15 and a half years to, to train me and get me suitable to operate and function in the natural world. So I'm very thankful for my wife. But being married 16 years means two things. One, I'm a blessed man. And then number two, that she has a high pain tolerance. And I'm very thankful for my sweet, wonderful, my wonderful wife. So she has many gifts, uh, including worship and including... Um, you know, rearing the children and running the house, and she does so many amazing things, and, and she has all the gifts of the Spirit, all the fruit of the Spirit, and she has it all. She writes great sermons for me that I read, and, and uh, my spiritual gift is kind of like eating. I, that's, my, that's like my main, 
Like, is there an eating ministry in the church? And then also reading her sermons. But what I love about my wife is the other day she's like, hey, I'm going to cancel my gym membership, and I'm going to work out at home to save us money. I was like, oh, babe, you are so amazing. And so she got into this thing where she's doing, I don't think it's yoga, I think it's Pilates. Anybody do Pilates here? All right, we got a couple hands. You should be able to raise your hand if you do Pilates, right? Like, it's so heavy. Okay, you're not doing Pilates. I know that. Okay, there, and, and so she's doing Pilates, and it's like push-ups and like uh, planks, and then you're not just doing a plank, but you, you move like this, and it's like core, strengthening your core and all that stuff. And so I'm watching. I'm like, of course, I'm not doing it also, I'm, but I'm watching, and I'm like, this seems so familiar. Like, I feel like I've, I've never done Pilates, but I feel like I've done this before. And I was thinking, and it finally came to me, I have done it before. I grew up doing Pilates. I did Pilates before there was Pilates. Come on, somebody. So, anyways. So, here's what I've found. I have found that I'm becoming my, my dad, my grandpa, and that is living in the good old days, right? How many, how many are already talking about the good old days? Okay, I do this with my kids all the time. You know, my poor son, Josh, I take him to school, and... Uh, He's like, hey, Dad, you know, can you drop me off right here at the entry of the parking lot? And I'm like, go get it, son. You want more exercise. Till later I found out why he really wants me to drop him off at the beginning, the front of the parking lot. But that's another story and some healing that I've got to get for that. But we, like, we had these conversations. What was it like? And I'm like, am I already at that stage where I'm talking about what it was like in the good old days. And so there's things that I'll bring up, and, and he'll almost be like, uh-uh. Like, he still can't imagine people in the back of a truck, like, like piled in in the back of a truck. I'm like, it was real, son. It was the best of days. We had Reagan and we had Rocky. They were knocking down the Russians. Great things were happening. So I started bringing up stuff, the good old days, and, and so I started talking about, like, the waterbed. What happened to the waterbed? How many here had a waterbed? How many here still has a waterbed? God bless you, sir. Unbelievable. All the merch that you want out there, free, free, free. God bless this man. Remember this? This was the coolest thing because I, I, we grew up poor, and I was like, I, oh, yeah, yeah, my uncle has a pool, but he really had a waterbed. Anyways, how about, how about this right here? How many remembers this? What is this? Oregon Trail. It was the game that we were allowed to play in school. And you either died by drowning or measles or dehydration, snake bite, or dysentery. As a five-year-old, I knew what dysentery was. I didn't want it because I, I didn't want to die in Oregon Trail. How about this right here? Carpet in the bathroom. This happened. This was real. How many remembers carpet in the bathroom? And it was probably that color for a little bit. For a little bit. How about this right here? The original fidget spinner. This right here changed my life. I hit my head against the corner after doing this, and I, it changed my life forever. So this was very unsafe. And then we got one more. This is, this is the one that... If you were going to be cool in school, you had, to have, you had to have the lunchbox, and you had to have the thermos that matched the lunchbox. 
if your thermos didn't match your lunchbox, you were not cool. You're going to the other table, right? So anyways, a blast from the past. Well, why do I tell you that? I'm not sure. But <coughs> before we go forward, we have to go back. So there was a war called the Hundred Years' War. It actually lasted longer than that. It was a battle between uh, England and France. And uh, by the way, the coffee that, that is made here, uh, Lawrence Adams, from, she's from southern France, so she makes it so well. She does a great job. So if you ever see our coffee team out there, like, they work really hard. Let's give them a hand. Like, I'm thankful for some Jesus juice and some caffeination on Sunday, right? But there was this battle between France and this war between France and England, and it lasted for over 100, 100 years, and it was called the Hundred Years' War, and it was all about England saying France is really England, and we want the land, and blah, blah, blah. So there was this, like, I think 1415, there was this battle called the Battle of Argincourt. How many has heard of the Battle of Argincourt? It's like one of the best victories that England has ever had in its history, okay? Henry V is marching to Argincourt, and they're going to fight the French. The French have better weapons. They're better trained. They have, they, they're, they, they're all, like, rested up, and they're ready to fight. And, the, and the, the English had been traveling a long way. They had a scores of people who got sick and were still sick. They had thousands that had died because of sickness, malnutrition, et cetera, et cetera. And Henry V and his army go to Argincourt, fight the French, and they beat them big time. And they attribute it all to one thing, an advance in technology called the longbow. It was the difference between a little bow and arrow that could, you know, about halfway uh, to the back here. If it hits you, it would, it, would, it would get into your skin, but be more like a, an annoyance, right? If you were up close, it could, it, could, it could do a little bit of damage. But the longbow became same, something that had a lot of torque. You could pull it way back. And the further you pushed it, pulled it back, the further it would go. And it would create all this momentum. And it could even pierce through leather. And it could pierce through uh, some of the, 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 the metal. And it became a huge advancement until uh, gun, gunpowder came around about 75 years later. But the longbow was the winner. And it was all about this idea that if you pull back, you can go forward further and faster. And that's my message today. That before we go forward in pressing start, really pressing start ought to be going back. It ought to be going back. And here's, here's uh, Newton's third law of motion. It's a really complex one, but essentially it's this. I'm going to put it into layman's terms. Anything that moves forward, something equally has to move the other direction. <clears throat> so a jet plane, if we're going to move a jet plane at 550 miles an hour, there's going to be a lot of air being pushed in the opposite direction. One thing can't move in one direction without it also, there's something moving in the other direction. And this is what Paul meant. This is what Paul said when he said, hey, this one thing I do and then he's going to list two things. And you're like, hey, Paul, I know you know the Bible real well, but your math is terrible, buddy. It's awful. He lists two things. He says, this one thing I do, forgetting what's behind and reaching for what's ahead. Why? Because it's one motion. You cannot go forward until you deal with your past. You cannot go forward until you deal with with your past. In fact, there was a man who found a field that had a treasure. And the Bible says that he went back and he sold everything. He sold out because he wanted to buy in. He sold out because he wanted to go forward with his life. He found a field that was at the same price of all the stuff he had. But the treasure that was in the field 
far surpassed what he had in the here and now and in back there. So he was willing to give up that so he could go forward into his future. And there's some of us, we cannot go forward because we're not willing to deal with our past. We're not even willing to go back into our past. We're not even willing to deal with those things. Maybe it's failure. Maybe it's frustration. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's some strongholds or some uh, generational curses. Maybe it's something someone said over you when you were seven or ten years old. Maybe it's a soul tie from a relationship that was unhealthy. The question we have to ask today is, what is keeping me from going forward? And the real question is, what is keeping me from going back? There's a scripture in Romans chapter 5 that I want to read to you. It says this. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So when we've been justified, we have peace over our past, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. So grace is now, and it gives us the power to stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. We have a glorious future. We have hope. Why? Because we've been justified, and we have peace over our past. If you don't find peace with God over your past, you'll never move forward. You won't even have grace to stand in today. We've got to deal with the past. We've got to go back. We've got to ask the hard questions. You know, there's so many things that happen inside of us internally. There's a whole uh, slew of emotions and spiritual apparatuses and experiences and thoughts and intents. The Bible says that out of the heart flows all the issues of life. So here's the question. What's in your heart? What's happening in your inside world? The inside world. One of my favorite quotes of of Augustine is this. He says, God doesn't always answer the prayers of your lips, but he does answer the prayer of your heart, which means this, that God speaks heart. You ever been in a conversation with people who kind of know the same things like like two mechanics or, or two car people, right? Like they love cars. They love fixing cars, and they're talking, and you're like, you're the third person there, and they're like, oh, yeah, that, that, that five-cylinder uh, Gia Makaronia is so awesome. And you're like, oh, it's got a Makaronia? That's cool, you know? And you really don't know what they're talking about. It's a totally different language to you, right? Well, God speaks heart. He knows what's going on inside of you. And what we have to understand is, like, life happens. We live in a fallen, broken world. And we're broken people. Like, we have, we, like, things happen, and, and people speak things over us. I've, I've talked to and, and ministered to people who had something spoken over them when they were, like, five or six years old, and it stuck. There's people who can't go to certain places because there's a soul tie to places or persons, and they go there, and all these emotions and feelings come back up again. And they haven't gone back to resolve it and let God redeem it. And because they haven't gone back, they can't move forward. There's people who have church wounds and father wounds. And maybe they had a church wound and an experience of like, oh, man, I can't, I can't go all in. I mean, I, I just, there's just no way that I could ever, ever, ever. And, and, and they're losing out on the treasure that's in the field because they're not willing to go back and go, hey, was that man Was that God, what was going on there? And let God redeem that story and let God do a work in your heart. There's father wounds all through our generation. And that's why there's an authority issue and that's why nobody, there's no absolutes anymore. We think of God as our father and people are like, I don't want to think of God like a father. 
I'd rather just think of him like a boss or somebody just up there like orchestrating the world. Like the word father becomes scary. And I'm going to tell you, to move forward, you're going to have to go back. To move forward, you're going to have to go back. In fact, for Jesus to go up, he first had to go down. The Bible says, he who ascended first descended far below the earth into the depths, into Hades. He went down. And the Bible says, now he's ascended high above all the heavens that he might fill all things. See, he went down before he went up. we got to go back before we go forward. This is what God's calling us to do. Turn to your neighbor, give him a fist bump and say, maybe backwards it is. What does an emotional, what does a soul tie look like? I'm going to give you a, a couple of examples. Number one, Abraham had a soul tie. He had a soul tie. He was connected to a mistake that he couldn't give up called Ishmael. He had a promise that was the future, but he had Ishmael that was his mistake, but he had this affinity for his mistake. And at the end of the day, he had to send Ishmael out. Now, God took care of him because there's two dimensions here. There's the promise, but then there's also the care of God, the, the heart of God, right? So it's not like he left him alone. But, but there was an issue in the house. There was a tension in the house. There was no moving forward for the house of God. Why? Because Abraham had a soul tie to an old mistake. And I want to tell you today that I believe that God is able today to break the soul tie, to change your future by changing your yesterday, to change the way you process it and feel about it. Like there's going to be things that happen in this service that maybe you're not used to or comfortable with, and that's okay. But if you'll open your heart, I believe God is going to transform you from the inside out. Is that okay? How many, ever, how many here has ever uh, read the book, or maybe you read it to your kids, or maybe you read it to, you know, get some money from grandma and grandpa, like, like my grandparents are like, five bucks for every book. Okay, where's Waldo? We got all the, the easy reading books. Just a money-making machine that, those days. Anyways, <clears throat> there was a book called If You Give a Mouse a Cookie. Remember that one? He's going to ask for milk. If he asks for milk, he's going to ask for straw. And when he's done drinking, he's going to need a napkin. And when he's done with a napkin, he's going to want to look in the mirror. And he sees the mirror, he's going to see his hair that he's cut. He's going to ask for scissors. And when he cuts the, the hair with the scissors, he's going to try to, 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 to sweep up. And when he sweeps up, he's going to sweep the whole house. And when he sweeps the whole house, he's going to be tired. He's going to ask for a bed. And when you give him a bed, he's going to want you to read him a book. And when you read him a book, guess what happens? He's going to be inspired to paint. He's going to ask for paper and pen. And when he does that, he's going to ask for tape so he can put it up on your fridge. And when he does all that, he's going to be tired and thirsty and hungry again. He's going to ask for a cookie. That's going to cause him to ask for milk. And it really is what sin does, and it, it's what our past does. It keeps coming back and asking for more until you come back to the same spot again, back to the cookie, back to the milk, back to the straw, over and over and over and over again. And God has called you to get on with it, but you can't get on with it till you get over it. Some of you will never get on with it until you get over it. And you have to process it through the presence of God and through God's manifesto, checklist manifesto, which I'm going to give to you. Here's the way that we find renewal and healing. Mark chapter 2 and 22 says this. <clears throat> no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour the new wine into new wineskins. So this is Jesus talking to a group of people who are living in a, an agrarian society, they understand 
uh, agriculture. They understand harvest. They understand um, how wine works. There's the hills, and there's the vineyards all around. And so this is not like something new. They're like, oh, really? That's how it works. It's almost like a little nonsensical where he's like, hey, you know, your keys that work to your car won't work in somebody else's car. It's not like, I didn't know that. He's amplifying a point for them to catch something. A people that aren't, their heart's not open to the new. And so this is the whole idea. It's, it's old wine and old wineskins, new wine, new wineskins. So here's, here's the idea. God wants to do a new thing. That's a new wine. There's a new thing that God wants to do in you. But it's not predicated on the wine. If there's wine, does God have something for me? Yes, he does. It's just nonsensical to put new wine in old wineskins. It's a piece of leather from a, a lamb or a goat that's, that's been stretched and then put together and sewn together. Okay, And then you put the, the new wine or the juice in, and then it ferments and it stretches. And once you're done, if you just put new wine in there, it'll stretch and it will burst out. And this is what happens to a lot of people. We try to receive the new. We put it into our old us, our old way of thinking, our old way of doing things. We get filled up on Sunday, or we, we get some word from God, and we get filled up. And in, in a couple days or a couple weeks, it just leaked out. It just seeps out. You're like, what happened? It wasn't because of the wine. It was because of the wineskin. And so this is the whole paradigm shift that Jesus is giving. If you want the new thing, there has to be a work in you. There has to be a new thing, a new you for the new wine. It, it, it's on you and I to become something that God can pour into, something that's ready for the new wine. Question, are you ready for the new that God is doing? That's the million-dollar question. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to be honest with you. For several years, whenever I read this passage, this is the way I in interpolated it. I thought, well, the old wineskin is just, it's done. It's over. Let's, we toss it out. We go kill another animal and get some fresh skin. And if you, would, if you were to do that, a, a, a bottle of wine would be ten times more than what it was. That was not a good move. That, and that's not what they did. And that's kind of the imagery that I had until I recently found out now, they didn't take the old wineskin and toss it out and go get new skins. The winemaker would renew the old skin and turn it into new skin. It was a renewal process. So here's my postulate today. What if the new thing that God wants you to do, the only hurdle is a renewal in your life? The only thing keeping you from receiving the new is a, a renewal that God wants to do inside of you. So I'm gonna give you the five steps that they, that they went through, the winemakers. The first thing they did was they would turn the, this, this, if you will, uh, wine bottle that was skin, he would flip it inside out. So the first thing you're gonna have to do is be willing for God to look inside of you to flip your world inside out. This is not an, out, this is not an exterior thing. This is a heart thing. God speaks heart. God wants to deal with the, the innermost being of who you are and what you are. That's where the wound is. That's where the crack is. That's where the, the leak will begin deep inside of you. So he wants to flip it inside out and expose some of the things that you've been hiding that no one sees. And the winemaker says, it's just you and I, buddy. I'm going to flip this inside out, and I want to expose all of those vulnerable areas 
Because if we don't take care of them, this, this, this thing will rip to pieces. I heard a, a story. I, I, I love uh, dendrochronology. It's a study of, of, of studying the history of a tree by its rings. And it's more than just how old it is. It's what it's been through. There was a um, couple great stories that I read, but one of them that I love was up in Northern California. There was this tree, and, and it, it had girth, and it was strong, and it looked like everything was fine, and they, they, were, they would never have assumed that March 13th, 1933, that this, this tree would just fall over, this huge redwood, 500 tons and 320 feet in the air and 1,200 years old. It had, they said it probably had another millennium of life, and <clears throat> one day, just a little gentle breeze or maybe a bird sat on its branch, and it just fell over so easy. And so they cut it up, and they begin to study it, and they look through its life. They look at its history. Back in the, in the dark ages, there was an earthquake that it survived. It went through a struggle, but it was able to survive, and there was healing on the inside. And there was lightning in, during the Renaissance, and it, it survived that. There's many other things that it survived, and they could see its growth spurts through in some seasons, and, and then some seasons it didn't grow as much, and they could study this. But then they found in 1810, there was an Indian fire that got into the tree, and it was a wound that never healed right. And no one saw it because it was on the inside. No one could do anything because it was on the inside. And because of this, because of a wound that did not heal, a, a, a past ailment that was not processed right, one that wasn't renewed by the power and the goodness of God, one day it came tumbling down. March 13, 1933 to be exact. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. How do the mighty fall? It's never something big. It's always something small. It's Moses with an attitude problem. He knows the Bible. He has a prayer life. He has all the d disciplines, but he has an anger issue. Something that seems small, but it's killing him from the inside out, and it inhibits him from going into his future, into the promised land, is sometimes something so small. And that's why we need inner healing. So the first thing God does is he opens us up, and it doesn't feel good. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be flipped inside out. I don't even know what that looks like. Is that 3D, 4D? I, how does that work, right? The second thing he would do is he would put the wineskin and he would soak it in water. And you know this and I know this. The Bible talks about that the word of God is the water. That God's word is the cleansing agent. It's, it's water. It cleanses and it gets all the stuff out of the skin. And it, and it cleanses it and it softens it and it preps it. And I'm going to tell you this, that if you want renewal, you're going to have to go back to the Word. You're going to have to get back into a relationship with the Word. And that doesn't mean like, hey, I rifled through it. I read the Bible four times. I don't know what I read, but I know I've been reading it. Kudos. No, it's, it's a washing where you abide in the Word, and the Word abides in you, and it's washing over your heart. And if that means getting three scriptures and reciting them and repeating them and meditating on them, then take three scriptures. But you've got to have the Word in your heart, moving through your heart, hiding it in your heart. That's where renewal begins. The third thing they would do is they would get oil, and they'd put oil all over the skin, inside and out, which represents the Holy Spirit and the anointing. See, yesterday's anointing won't work today. It just won't. Like, what God anoints us for yesterday is not going to help us today. God wants us to be renewed. The Bible talks about Peter. Remember Peter in the book of Acts? The Bible says that he was filled with the Spirit and would preach. He was filled with the Spirit and he would minister. Why? Because whenever you're done ministering, the Holy Spirit takes off like a dove? No. Once you're born again, you can't be unborn. What it means is there was a new application, the power of God for every season and everything that they would experience. God has a fresh anointing for what you're in right now. 
And that's why we as a, a church, we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit is not some just objectivity way out there, some impersonal force, but the Holy Spirit can fill your life and fill your heart and fill your words and change you from the inside out. We can have communion with the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, be fed by the Spirit, be taught by the Spirit. We need the application of the Holy Spirit in our lives if we're going to have renewal. And you know what? It's as simple as this. The Bible says if you ask for His Spirit, He will give it. If you ask for the Spirit, he, no one asks their dad for, for an egg and gets a stone. Right? That's not, that's not the way it works. God is good. He wants to give you His Spirit. Amen? So we need a fresh anointing. And then, number five, he would begin to massage the leather. He would get his hands on the leather. And I just believe that this represents like God's hands getting back in our marriages and getting back in our prayer life and just that touch that maybe is missing. You got all the faculties and you, you know all the Bible stuff and you know what Christianity is supposed to look like. You got the bumper sticker. You got the wristband. You're doing good. But it's like I need that touch again. That touch that used to be on your life. Because you, you gave God permission to touch your life. God's waiting again for permission. And the last thing, number five, he would stretch it. Can I tell you, right before the new wine comes, there's always a stretching. It's uncomfortable. But it's comfortably uncomfortable. It's like something new is happening. I'm being stretched. And the new that God wants to do in you is going to require a stretching in your heart, mind, and soul. I, was, I mentioned this in the first service. It's not in my notes, but one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite books, uh, one of my favorite authors is Malcolm Gladwell, and he in his book What the Dog Saw. There's a there's an entire chapter devoted to this one question: Why are there so many mustards and one kind of ketchup? That's a great question. And he spends you know 20 pages on this one idea. There's tons of mustards and there's one ketchup. I mean, there's Dijon, and there's, there's the Chinese food, mustard, spicy mustard. Come on, somebody. Get your nose ring. And I know that's burning calories. It's offsetting all the bad calories that we're eating at the same time. That's faith. I don't know. Maybe not fact. But anyways, <clears throat> there's all kind of mustards, right? There's yellow mustard, and uh, there's spicy mustard, and there's tart mustards, and there's all kind of mustards, right? But essentially, there's one kind of ketchup. And this is what he talks about. He says, basically, ketchup is like the food. It's like the food that stimulates all five part, parts of your tongue, all of the, the taste buds. There's five parts. So you've got salty, adamame, sweet, savory, and bitter. All five ketchup. That's why like, we put ketchup on everything, right? Like we put ketchup on ketchup. Like people love ketchup. If you do a survey, mo like more people love ketchup then they love mayonnaise or mustard or any other condiment, right? It's because it is like the food that stimulates your senses and your, your taste buds more than any other food. So here's the dilemma. Heinz 57 says, no matter what we do, if we add to the ketchup, it makes it worse. If we take from the recipe, it makes it worse. So here's what they came up with. They said, we can't change the ingredients so let's just think about the way that people get the ketchup. Because remember back in the day, it was a glass bottle. 
And you basically did that till it exploded on your plate. And you weren't upset about it because you love ketchup. And then my mother would always get the knife and stick it in and get it all worked out. And it would just flow out. And I always think, where was that knife before you stuck it in the ketchup? But that's another conversation. Okay? I think she still does it. I'm still trying to get her to stop sending texts with all caps. But that's another problem to solve. (laughs) I'm telling you too much. But anyways, so they said, if we're going to resolve this, like we we can't change the ingredients. We just, we got to figure out how to change the container. So like study families and little kids trying to get it out. So like, let's, let's give us something that's already upside down, and they just lift it and squeeze. Problems are off. Or, or, or when they go through the drive-thru, they can just get a packet and drive with one foot, one, one knee, and just open that packet, right, and put it on your In-N-Out french fries, right? They got pumps. They got so many different ways now to get ketchup. And here's what we got to understand. Like in the stretching of what God's doing, like it's not the ingredients. We're not changing the gospel we're not changing the message. But what if the new that God is doing is going to stretch us out of our comfort zone? Like the next thing that God is going to do may be something that's unconventional to you. This is one of the biggest issues with church is that we get, we get mesmerized in certain centuries, in certain decades. I mean, there's got to be an organ and red carpet because that is when God moved. And we're like, no, what's sacred is not the container. It's what's inside the container. And so our next new may be us stretching beyond what we can even comprehend or what we recognize because there is a new coming into your world. There's a new thing that God has, but are you ready for the new thing? And so there's a healing, an inner healing that God wants to do. And I believe it's going to happen today for many. I believe it's going to start today for many. But I want to pray, and I believe this is the most important prayer today. There are people that have come into this house and they go, yeah, but... I don't know God, and I feel far from God. Like, like fixing the house. I, I haven't even bought the house yet. Well, we can resolve that really quickly. This day can be the best day of your life if you'll open your heart and mind to Jesus. Like, sin doesn't have to control you. There's one rule with sin. It's either conquer or be conquered. Either it rules over you or you rule over it. God told Cain, he said, Cain, you better be careful. If you don't take control of this, this will take control of you. There is no peaceful coexistence with your past, with your failures, with the sin that does so easily beset us. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us, and let us run the race. Let us move forward. We've got to deal with the weights, and we've got to deal with the sin. Would you close your eyes all across this place? If you're here today and you don't know the Lord or you're not 100% sure that you know the Lord the greatest thing that you could do the best decision that you can make on this side of heaven is say yes to Jesus to call upon the name of Jesus Yeshua HaMashiach I call upon Jesus my Savior my Lord call upon him today we love you Lord 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 
If you're here today and you're not sure that you know the Lord, you haven't opened your heart and called upon Him, and you haven't received His forgiveness, I want you just to slip your hand up. No one's looking around. Just slip your hand up. I want to pray with you specifically. If you just raise your hand right where you are, would you just raise your hand? that hand up. You don't have to lift it like super high. Just let me see it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Three people. I want to pray for you. Amen. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. There's a couple hands lifted. I just want to pray for you right now. Lord, I love you. Lord, my heart is open. God, we're a church that we exist for those who are not here yet, for those who are far from you. And I'm so thankful that there's still a seat at the table. And I'm so thankful that there's still an invitation to all those who hear the message. There's an invitation to come running, to come running home, to come running back to the heart of God. Lord, I receive your goodness and your forgiveness. Today I confess my sins. I confess my sins. I confess my past. I have failed and I'm broken. But Lord, you make me whole. You make me strong. You forgive me and you heal my heart today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, let's clap our hands today. We want to celebrate those hands that were lifted. We do have a, we do have a gift. You raise your hand, we have a gift for you. We do not leave without getting this. It's at our Next Step tent. Take that Next Step card. Let us know that you made a decision because this is the most important moment of your life. And there's some more next steps that we want you to walk out. Maybe baptism is your next step. Don't hesitate. Don't wait. God is so good. I have one more scripture for you that I want to put up. Isaiah 30 and 26. It says this. The moon will shine like the sun. And the sunlight will be seven times brighter like the light of seven full days when the Lord binds up the bruises of his people. Your best day will be the day when you open your heart to God and you let him bind up your wounds and your pain. Today can be the brightest and best day of your life. So I want to pray with you. If you'll bow your heads one more time. No one looking around. If you're here today and you have some things in your past that have not been resolved, some people that have hurt you that has not been put on an altar and the fire and the presence of God not redeemed. If there's some things, some, some unmet expectations or some sins that just are lingering, you haven't let God come into the picture to turn it inside out, to dip you in the water, to put the anointing on you, to put his hands on you to stretch you, to make you new for the new that he has for you. I want you to raise your hand. No one's looking around. Just raise your hand. Raise your hand. Today, there's a renewal. Today, there's a renewal. Today, there's a renewal. There's an inner healing coming today. Broken pieces put back together. Today, the moon's going to shine like the sun, and the sun seven times brighter. Today is going to be the brightest day of your life. Amen. We're speaking it today in Jesus' name. Here's what I want you to do. If you raised your hand, I want you to get up really quickly and come forward. I want you to stand up. We're not trying to embarrass you, but I want you to come up quickly. If you want healing, God can bring a healing, inner healing to your heart. Hey, someone spoke something. Someone did something. It wounded you, and you and you've quailed, and, 
And every time you go to that place or that space or that person, that memory comes back, that pain comes back. Today you're going to be set free. Today you're going to be healed. Let God turn it inside out. Let God wash you and heal you today. Come on. Well, can we stand to our feet? Come on, let's sing together.